Ladies, may we get a word? Hide the money, y'all. There's poor people around. <laughs> With your broke ass. It appears that the House has just passed President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. The final vote tally is somewhere around 220 to 211, with only one Democrat voting against it. Anderson, in my view, this is the most significant legislation for working people that has been passed in decades. Mr. President, I want to begin by thanking you for the steady, practical, and resolute leadership you and your administration have provided, putting people before politics and fostering an environment in which private sector, manufacturing, and scientific capabilities can work in healthy partnership with government to create a force multiplier in a battle we simply must win. Hey, party crashers. Welcome to another episode of The Uninvited. This is your host, Jerry Jones. However you found us and wherever you decided to find us. I'm so very grateful you did. Please do us a favor. Please rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss another one of these fine episodes. And also, should you give us a rating, please consider giving us five stars because five stars feels like love. Four stars feels like the friend zone or... Well, I don't know. It it certainly doesn't sound as if Megan and Harry uh, are even in the friend zone. I guess, I guess if we were to give the relationship between uh, Megan and Harry with the Queen uh, and the the royal family, I'm thinking that's a two star. That's a. Uh, Wow, that's like a, is that even a Motel 6? Like if you were if you were rating a hotel, what would you give a Motel 6? Would you give a Motel 6 or a Super 8? Which is, which is better? Motel 6 or a Super 8? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing. I, I don't know. I, I would, you all can Google this. I probably should have. Here's the thing. I rant a lot. And so... I don't pre-research my rants, but I'm guessing that Motel 6 and Super 8 are probably owned by the same company. And I was just thinking that I bet you the same company that owns Motel 6 and Super 8 owns a Waffle House. Have any of you ever felt safe at a Waffle House? I mean, where you're like, you you're you're pretty confident that nothing ill will happen to you while you're at, at Waffle House. And the reason why I'm asking that is because I don't think we go to the Waffle House. I don't want to say we don't end up there on purpose. I'm saying that Waffle House is not an establishment that you end up on out of intentional design, right? Now, Typically, I've only, now, full disclosure, I think I've only been to Waffle House maybe six or seven times in my life. And every single time, every single time, I was under the influence of something. Uh, Whether it was alcohol, 
whether it was, uh, you know, Mary Jane, the hippie lettuce. Um, I was there at the Waffle House because of a of a long a long night of partying, and you end up at the Waffle House. And every time I've been in the Waffle House, even in the in the altered state, I was aware enough to know, man. We probably shouldn't be here right now, but it's, you know, it's Waffle House, right? Um, now, in Lawrence, now, I don't even believe we had a Waffle House in Lawrence, but the late night thing for us in Lawrence was Burrito King. And Burrito King um, predates Chipotle. So everyone looks at Chipotle as being really huge burritos. I, to this day, I've never seen a burrito as large as as what they have in burrito king and again burrito king you know i've been the i've been the burrito king during the day and it's just not the same you, you you're normally under the influence and i gotta say one of the worst things in the world well not one of the worst it's not i mean not one of the worst things in the world one of the worst things about being the designated driver in Lawrence was taking all of your drunk ass friends to the drive through of Burrito King because they have no idea. Just like when I'm not the designated driver, I have no idea just how much of an asshole I'm being at the time that we're in the drive through. And I, I don't mean like a jerk. I mean, like, we're loud, we're, you know, we, we're wanting the music all the way up, we're, like, conversing um, with other cars. Sometimes people are getting out of the car to converse with other people in other cars. Um, sometimes people are having impromptu dance parties in the drive-thru. Um, sometimes, you know, well, I won't, I won't go there. But being the designated driver... Going to the Burrito King sucks. And so I, I, I'm guessing that right now, Megan and Harry are are feeling like of they, they're feeling like the, the Waffle House, the Motel 6 Super 8 Burrito King of of the uh, of the royal family. I don't know how many of you have seen the um, the interview. I haven't seen it, by the way. Uh, so the interview was airing at the same time as the NBA All-Star Game. And so Heidi asked me, she's like, are you going to watch the interview? And until she said it, I had, I had no idea. So I just instinctively said, no, I'm not watching the interview. I'm, I'm watching the All-Star Game. I didn't know. I didn't know what she was talking about. Uh, it was only after when Twitter was blowing up that I'm like, oh, I probably should have been, I probably should have been watching that. And apparently, um, a lot of folks on Twitter, uh, where the guys were relegated to watching the all-star game on their computer and their, their, um, their partners, uh, were watching. And that makes sense, right? I mean, if, if you're going to, if, if you've got a television, right, if you've got one television, and you're deciding between an all-star game, which means nothing, 
and uh, an interview with Oprah interviewing um, Harry and Meghan, which also kind of means nothing to me, but it's a bigger nothing. But I would say this, if it wasn't for Oprah interviewing them, I got to be honest, I don't even think I'd be talking about it right now. But I, I got to tell you, the thing that got me was not Megan's. Um, I didn't plan on talking about this, by the way. Um, but <laughs> welcome to episode 14 of season two, which now means I am about. I think I think I've done. Is this like 50? This this may be the 50th episode. I'm not even sure anymore. But let's just call it 50, 50 episodes in of having a plan on what you're going to talk about and completely uh, diverging into uh, unknown waters. But Oprah was clearly incredulous about how racist the royal family is. And I got to tell you, I mean, now I, 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 I see the demographics of my listenership, right? I understand that the interview with, with Oprah of the royal family would may have had interest for some of you. I have to tell you, I'm a little, I'm shocked by how shocked people are. Because um, let's be, can we just call it for what it is? Like, if there was a family, if, say, say you're, say you're in, in London, I don't know. Um, I don't even know where Westminster Abbey is, but I'm assuming it's not far from London. I'm sure it's in the burbs, right? It's not like, is it in the heart of the city? Never been to London. Want to go. I'm obsessed with London shows. I just started watching a show on AMC+. I'm not even sure if I've ever done a non-commercial commercial for AMC+. But this is my first. I started watching a show called Cleaning Up. Uh, and it's on Sundance now. But Sundance now is included with AMC+. And I, I subscribed to AMC Plus because um, I wanted to watch Gangs of London, which Gangs of London was awesome. It's a modern day, um, like not street gangs, but um, like mafia, like organized crime gangs in London. And of course, you know, they get you on the one show and then you don't really know how to cancel your subscription. So I'm stuck with it. But started watching um, Cleaning Up. Um, the Split. Oh my gosh. The Split. Best legal show I've seen in 20s. These are all British shows, by the way. Um, so I'm becoming I'm becoming a, a television snob. I'm only really watching... All the new shows I'm watching are British. Uh, but The Split, fantastic. Focuses on uh, a family of attorneys, female attorneys, the, the, the Defoe family. Um, so, uh, I think AMC plus, I think it's only four ninety nine, and I'm I, probably for the first year. And then a year from now, I'll be paying sixty nine ninety nine a month. So I'm not sure if Westminster Abbey is in the city or in the burbs, but if you were to walk down uh, a neighborhood where Westminster Abbey is, um, I was just now, okay. Were you all big fans? Because Heidi was a huge, huge fan of Downton Abbey. And I think I did watch a season. 
I think I totally watched the season of Downton Abbey. But if you were to walk down the street uh, where Westminster Abbey is, and they said, okay, we're going to walk down the street. Now, all everyone, everyone, every house may have a family that's racist. But we're going to walk by 10, 10 houses. And of the 10 houses, you don't have to tell us which houses are racist. You just need to tell us which house is the most likely to be racist? And say you had 10 people, 100, 1,000, 100,000, a million people, okay? And you ask them the same thing. You know how many? You know what percentage of folks are going to point to Westminster Abbey and go, yeah, I think that that house there, the people there are most likely to be racist. You know what the percentage is? You know what the percentage is. That's right. A hundred percent. Every single person. Even if they didn't even know. They don't even have to know what racism is. You could have from outer space. Aliens come in and they say, hey, we come in peace. I'm like, hey, we come in peace. And before we take you to get some Kansas City barbecue, we've got a little test for you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hop in your little spaceship. Okay. And you're going to drop us off across the pond and we're going to we're going to do a do a little poll. And you just give them a brief overview of what racism is and then say, OK, point to the house of these 10 that are the most racist. And um, before they, you know, they, you know, like beam you to their planet to do. Why, why are they why are aliens in movies always looking to do scientific experiments on humans? Like and why is it always humans? Honestly, I think if you if you were an alien life form and you came to Earth and you wanted to to do a study, um, like a medical study, don't you think dolphins would be more interesting to them? Wouldn't dolphins probably be more like these alien folks? Um, and why are aliens, man, they're very leggy. And um, all torso. They're all torso and all legs. I, that's a weird, weird combination. Um, but yeah, every. I mean, of course, of course, the royal family is racist. I mean, this isn't news. But I think what was shocking was how shocked Oprah was. Oprah was incredulous, right? And I would imagine that many of you who watched it were shocked. And I'm like, are you kidding of course, I don't understand the big deal. Um, I do think it's screwed up, totally screwed up, that they would not that they were saying that they're not going to make their son a prince. Um, they <laughs> they 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 are not looking for Prince Akeem, okay? They are not looking for Black Panther, okay? They're not looking for for King T'Challa anytime soon, okay? They want their Williams. They want their their Harrys. Um, but so that was a little shocking. But Oprah was just like, I can't believe it. I can't believe that they would even question how, you know, what the skin color of of the kid is going to be. I'm like, it's the royal family. And so I, I got, well, look, I don't want to upset the apple cart here. And uh, but I'm, I'm going to agitate a little bit. Guys, we do we do know that Meghan Markle is an actress, right? I'm not saying I'm not saying that she that what she said didn't happen. 
I'm not even saying that Meghan Markle is not feeling what she's feeling. I'm saying that Meghan Markle is um, maximizing the moment, leveraging the moment, as you were. I believe it's a it's an interesting narrative that Harry's mom was sub subjected to much of the same resistance or lack of acceptance by the queen. I would say that the queen sold her soul to the devil. I'm starting to think that the devil is like, God damn it, we made a deal. The devil, the devil is trying, because usually the devil, right? When you sell your soul to the devil, the devil is trying to figure out how to swindle you and, and kind of how to snuff you out. As soon as possible, because the devil, the devil doesn't win. Look, look, when you sell your soul to the devil, it's like a short, like, like a short on a stock, right? The devil's trying to get you to tank as soon as possible, because I think how it works, I think, I think, I think Satan operates on a, on a, on a volume based business, right? The more souls he collects, the more powerful he believes he becomes, right? Uh, I don't necessarily believe in this stuff. I'm just saying, I mean, if you're the devil, it doesn't help you. Like if you, if, okay. So Queen Elizabeth, say she sells her soul to the devil when she's 19. I can't remember when she became queen. She was young, right? And the devil's thinking, oh, great. I'll, I'll give her seven years. And by the time she's 26, I'm going to collect the soul and I've got it for eternity. And I'm thinking the queen had a better lawyer than the devil. Because, man, she's still going and she's clearly, clearly not going anywhere and clearly calling the shots. Um, but I think I think that Megan is stepping into um, a role here. And I think that, listen, I think I think the queen is like a, you being the polar opposite of the queen is kind of like a Republican going after Nancy Pelosi, right? You can't lose. You can't lose with that. And so I think Meghan Markle, smartly, I'm not judging her, by the way. I think it's smart. I think, I, I actually, I think it would be malpractice if she did not take this moment um, to, to position herself as the the darling of of uh of great britain and the united states i think it's smart i just don't believe it's all genuine and i'll, I'll i look you can at me um at the uninvited podcast i think i think she's using it for her to her advantage as she should um how many of you didn't know that uh i didn't know the royal family was like a like, you know, I thought it was like a family, like a, like, Hey, like you, we're a family and we just happen to be royalty. It sounds like the family is kind of like a syndicate, kind of like a, like a crime family. Like it's an institution. Um, I didn't realize that. I, so I'm, I'm learning a lot. And, and I will say that as if for someone who didn't watch the interview, I am certainly, I'm not obsessed with the interview. I'm obsessed with people's reaction to it. And so I would love to get your reaction, your thoughts on on Megan on Harry and also Oprah Oprah needed this I mean actually come on Oprah doesn't need anything all right Oprah is Oprah right 
I just feel like from a relevant standpoint, like um, I think she I think this is a big get for her, even for Oprah. I think having this interview I and, and what I what I mean by that is like I think I have forgotten. You probably haven't forgotten, but I had forgotten just how great of an interviewer Oprah Winfrey is and how good at her craft she is. Like we think of Oprah as this. Um, I mean, she's she's a one namer. And she's, you know, she's, I mean, she's Oprah, but I had forgotten just how good she is uh, at conversation and at interview. And so I, I would say even for Oprah, this was a big get, a big win. I don't feel like she had had, uh, I mean, clearly she interviewed uh, former President Obama, you know, when he was promoting his new book. But I, I feel like this is a big get for Oprah, uh, just as a news person. And I, I think I, I, I'm excited, I'm excited for... And I'm interested to see uh, where Oprah goes with this because I would love I, I would love for uh, for her to be recognized for the news person that she is, um, great reporter, um, but also superstar. I mean, she's kind of like, uh, in a way, she's kind of like you know, like Clark Kent. You know, like I mean, she's you know, reporter by day and by night. She's just this, I don't know, multimedia. I mean, it's she's not even a badass. She's like a I don't know what's the biggest thing you can be. Um, so all of that was a tangent. Uh, <laughs> I don't even I don't even know how I got on that. Um, so Oprah had a big week. Obviously, um, Harry and Meghan have been in the news and had a great week. No one's having a better week than Joe Biden. Um, shout out to Heidi. Shout out to Heidi. Um, Heidi, my wife, has been Joe Biden's biggest, well, second biggest fan. Okay. Well, okay. There's Dr. Biden, who's clearly Joe's biggest fan. Okay. Um, there are the grandkids. And, I, and I'm not saying his kids don't see him as a big deal, but clearly I'm, I'm sure the grandkids see grandpa as a big deal. But excluding family. Okay. Excluding family, and I, I don't think that Joe Biden has a bigger fan than Heidi. And she has been on the Biden bandwagon uh, since he was running in the primary in 2008. Well, 2007, 2008. And, um, and so, I, yeah, so shout out to her. Shout out to, um, shout out to Jason, um, my brother from another mother, who has been on the Joe Biden bandwagon almost as long, almost as long as, 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 as Heidi has. And Joe Biden's had a hell of a week. Um, the bill that, uh, oh gosh, putting people first. No, no. Is that the name of the bill? The, the $1.9 trillion bill that just passed. And you heard Bernie say it. And I, I, my hope is that the Biden administration uh, certainly, I'm sure Jen Psaki, who is the best press secretary since CJ from West Wing. You know, I'm calling out Meghan Markle, okay, for channeling her her inner uh, uh, Princess Di. Clearly, Jen Psaki uh, is channeling CJ. And that is a great thing. Because if we had press secretaries like CJ, which we do have now, Jinsaki, I feel like we're going to go a long way, but Biden got everything. He, well, 
He didn't get every little thing, but he did exactly what he said he was going to do. The number was $1.9 trillion. The, the GOP, I don't know if you all remember this, about a month, month and a half ago, we're talking $600 billion. And when reporters would ask Jen Psaki, is there room to, to fudge with the number? She's like, well, we're open. If they can explain to us based on the data, like how they think $600 billion is going to cut it. Um, until then, the number is the number. The number is $1.9 And here's the thing. Joe Biden talked about reaching across the aisle. He talked about bipartisanship. He talked about um, doing things above board. And nowhere is this more evident. Well, excuse the fact that no Republicans, uh, no, no Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for this stimulus package. But start listening, start watching the newspaper, start listening to your local NPR stations, you're going to start hearing some of your GOP elected officials like touting how great this package is without any of them having voted for it. But Joe Biden, this is evidenced by Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, everyone's favorite Democrat. Um, Joe Manchin made a big to-do about all sorts of things. I, you know, I don't want $400 for unemployment. I only want 300. I want this. I want that. I won't consider this. I won't, you know, I'm not going to consider the filibuster, this, that, and the other. But when you start, but at the end of the day, you know what Joe Manchin did? Joe Manchin voted for the bill. And Joe Manchin didn't cut anything. Like, I mean, he, he got the, the, the weekly unemployment benefits down. He cut that by 25%. But everything else um, the bill itself, it passed. And so I think what Biden is doing is he's giving every every person what they need in order to satisfy their base. So you have a lot of Republicans who want it to pass, but couldn't vote for it because their, their constituency would eat them alive. You've got Joe Manchin, um, who he's operating in a state. And I think Biden lost West Virginia by what? Double digits, right? Um, Joe Manchin's doing what he's got to do to survive in his state. And very much like how Senator McCaskill, when she was representing the state of Missouri, had to do here in my state. But everyone, it's it's great because at the end, everyone got what they wanted. The American people got the stimulus package. I don't, I don't know if you all have seen everything that's in it. But man, healthcare subsidies, you're going to have the $1,400 check. Um, so whereas, you know, the GOP was content to just keeping all, you know, all the people who've struggled, keep them broke. We got $1,400 checks coming. Uh, Joe Manchin was successful in lowering the threshold. So I think instead of, I think you can earn up to a max as, uh, 80,000, I guess as an individual before it was a hundred thousand. Uh, I don't want to say cosmetic because for some, some families, you know, that, that could hurt, but, um, all of the things for local government, um, for um, for vaccinations, uh, this is it's a it, it's a great win for Biden. And, and Bernie mentioned it like it's this is a generational accomplishment. You know, I, I was telling Jason, shout out to Jason, um, that this is probably the biggest 
uplift for individuals with poverty in poverty probably since the social security act you guys can correct me i think that was 1933 but this is monumental i don't i don't want i don't want it to get lost that how how big of a as joe would say this is a big effing deal it is a huge huge deal um and i'm just so happy for joe biden president biden um, because he did it his way and he delivered on exactly what he said he would get for the American people. I know a lot of folks are upset that there isn't a, a minimum wage component to this. Um, uh, look, you know, if, if they want, if, if we're going to get a minimum wage, we're going to have to really, really do some work to get the votes. I don't, I don't personally believe, and I've talked about this before, that the filibuster is the way to go. I don't think you lift a filibuster for that. I think there's so much the child care subsidy. It's essentially if you have if you have small children, this bill essentially contains universal basic income. He essentially took an Andrew Yang UBI is not an Andrew Yang thing. In fact, I would say that the biggest proponent of UBI has probably been Elon Musk. Man, I am man. You talk about missing the boat. Um, Tesla dipped uh, well below six hundred earlier this week. Um, I didn't get in. I don't know where they're at. Jason could check me on this, but I know that at at some point today they they were back over seven hundred. And like, and that's a like two or three, two or three day swing. Um, at some point, uh, so I've got it. So. There's going to be, I should let you know, just update. There's going to be a, a limited series that Georgie and I are going to do on words. And I need to convince Jason uh, to get on with me to talk uh, things related to blockchain and not non-fungible tokens, NFTs. If you haven't heard about NFTs, you're going to be hearing a lot about NFTs. Kings of Leon, uh, they, they were the first major act to uh to begin issuing um uh recordings and concert tickets via nft um we're gonna yeah so look up non-fungible tokens nfts uh the nba uh, is doing a thing called nba top shot where they're basically selling um digital highlights the di it, basically it's the, it's a digital version of trading cards um we've got several artists who have sold a couple of digital creations. Um, there was one artist in particular who bought uh, bought a, a the original, I, I don't know what, it was an original picture. It was a one of a kind. They bought it. They digitized it and then they actually destroyed the physical original. And so all, the, and then they were able to, sh to sell the digital uh representation as a as an nft um and they were able to sell it i think it went for like eight hundred thousand dollars subject to that effect but um the digital economy is is here so it's not the future it's here and it's now and we're on the verge of um we're on the verge of something you know what i believe is transformational i don't know enough about it um, to talk intelligently about it, but that's never stopped me about talking about anything. So I'm going to have them on to talk about that. But yeah, Joe Biden is having a hell of a week and I am, I'm super happy, uh, super happy for him. Uh, so 
so not so not only did he pass the COVID bill, um, but I believe you heard Gary Frazier. Uh, this is a fascinating story, and so I, basically what you're hearing now is like the things that I'm talking about in these shows are going to become spinoffs. Uh, I have this goal, like to to think that I could create a network of <laughs> of different podcasts uh, is is kind of funny, but at the same time, it's something I want to do. Um, one of the things I'm very interested in are, are, I'm very interested in redemption stories and, and, um, you know, I'm not one, you know, me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a kind of pro healthcare. I believe, or I, I believe that, uh, everyone, I think, I don't know, using my words, I don't know if I want to say that everyone, um, deserves healthcare, but I believe that every American has earned the right by being by virtue of being here i think i think that just comes with the package and i've been a huge critic of big pharma um big insurance big health and so i never thought i would hear myself saying that i am so very proud of of two pharmaceutical companies uh, merck and johnson and johnson but the two ceos um, presented together today with the president and so Johnson and Johnson. So obviously we have the Pfizer vaccine. I got my first vaccine shot on Friday. Shout out to Cerner and all the folks at Operation Safe here in Kansas City. A remarkable, a remarkable um, display of cooperation and volunteership. And shout out to um, my, my friend and colleague, Julianne Van Lu, who's the director of, of public health in Wyandotte County. Uh, I was there uh, yesterday. I'm recording this on a Wednesday night. I was there on a Tuesday to volunteer um, for an event, a vaccination event in Wyandotte County. And what we're seeing is that this is the kind of collaboration um, that we've, you know, that I've been longing for and we're starting to see it. But Merck and Johnson and Johnson, Johnson and Johnson. So there's a Pfizer vaccine, Moderna vaccine. They're both two shot vaccines and they're both in the mid 90s as far as efficacy. Johnson and Johnson uh, is a little different from those two shots because it's a one-shot deal. And look, I don't care about the seventy percent, ninety-five percent. You know, I would have loved to have gotten the one shot. My my dad, my dad um, is holding out for the one shot, and I'm like, Dad, you know, it's not Burger King, right? You don't get to decide. You don't you don't show up and order off a off the COVID vaccine menu. You kind of you get it's it's manager's choice. Okay, you get what you get. But Johnson and Johnson, their innovation in this space is that it's a one-shot deal. And um, so Johnson and Johnson, obviously a big winner in the vaccination race for vaccinations, Moderna, and Pfizer. And about a month ago, uh, the articles that were being written about Merck where that Merck was on the outside looking in, that Merck had failed. Uh, Merck had failed to deliver upon a vaccine that was viable. And um, it was they were kind of seen as a disappointment because it's Merck. Like, of course, Merck is going to, to come out with a vaccine because they're, that's what they do. And they were being written off as a, as a failure, as a disappointment. Uh, and 
you know, it's interesting because the CEO of Merck, they're, I mean, look, they're make they're, it's like they're printing money. They're making more money than Vladimir Putin and God. And they could have just taken their ball, gone home, licked their wounds and say, okay, well, we don't have a COVID vaccine, but man, we, we've got our hands and everything else. And let's just go and make our tens of billions of dollars every year and make our shareholders happy. Um, and they could have allowed the stories just to roll off of them because who cares about the bad press because you're Merck. Um, apparently, Kenneth Frazier, their CEO, who until today I did not know was African-American. So that really made me proud. And I, I, I know, like, because we don't have, a, there's not a whole lot of Fortune 500 CEOs, uh, much less for Big Pharma. Um, but it, it filled me with pride, even before knowing until today, but even knowing that instead of saying we lost, we're out of the game. Merck, I, what I'm saying is that Merck is clearly operate, even though they are the big pharma, um, big nasty uh, pharmaceutical company. In this case, as it relates to COVID, their North Star is different. Their North Star is ending the virus. And so today they presented with Johnson & Johnson because a couple of weeks ago they decided that instead of being competitors and Merck deciding instead of being a baby about it, they said, Hey, Johnson and Johnson, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we will add exponential capacity. <clears throat> we will produce your vaccine at, you know, at Merck. That way we can create exponential access. So that's why you're starting to see where the president's like, Hey, we're going to, you know, today he announced he's going to order like another hundred, hundred million doses. You know, the president as well, because of this kind of collaboration, and I think it's because of the president, where he set a tone for partnership and collaboration, we're seeing two giants in the industry, two fierce competitors, put that aside uh, to make this work. And I'm like, if you can get two industries where their only focus is to make their shareholders happy, make as much money as possible, if they can come together around ending the virus, I'm betting that we could do the same to end racism. We could do the same to end sexism. We can do the same to end homophobia. We can do that. Because especially if our interest isn't money, these those two guys you presented today, I mean, I know that their North Star was in the virus, but they're, I mean, their shareholders, their board of directors, their North Star is money. Is money. And they're letting their desire for money, they're, let, they're using that to end the virus. Right? So if we have more pure motivation, if we have a better intention than, than two in, uh, pharmaceutical companies, what could we do with the same spirit of cooperation? So I don't know how, what we want to apply it to. Personally, I, I, I want to see us, and I talked about this in the last episode, I would love to see us figure out how we save democracy. 
I would love to see how we end racism, sexism, um, and homophobia in America. Uh, I'd love to see how we might end poverty in America. Um, that's that. That's just on my wish list. So yeah. So I'm rambling at this point. Still, I, why am I saying at this point? I've been rambling since I pressed the button to record. But that's what that's what I do, and that's why I'm so glad that you're here. And I will say, I would much rather be having um, these conversations with you um, in person. Um, and we're going to get there. So I, I, I'm just going to end. I'm going to end by saying two things. Let's figure out how to collaborate on the things that matter. Ending this virus, ending racism, ending sexism, homophobia. Um, and let's, I don't know, let's, when, you, when, you, when your time comes to get the shot, please get the shot. Please encourage your loved ones to get the shot. Please please challenge people like my dad who are like, oh, 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 there's only one kind of shot I want. Challenge them. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that you want to, you want to, because I, I want to hug my parents again. Uh, I, I want to hug my in-laws again. And um, I want to hug my friends. And I, I'm ready to, to go and, and yell at the television like a crazy person with a bunch of strangers while um, drinking beer and eating pulled pork nachos. So please get the shot um, when, your, when your time comes. Um, outside of that, be good to yourselves, good to each other. Uh, I, I'm hoping that in the next episode, I can start giving you more specifics on the series on words. Uh, that Georgie and I are going to do, and I've got to go and convince Jason that we're that we're going to do start doing a, a limited series on 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 blockchain. Um, but be good to yourselves, good to each other. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hanging in there with us again. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, please give us five stars because I don't, I do not want to feel apparently the way Megan and Harry are feeling right now. Um, we're gonna catch you on the flip side of the next episode of The Uninvited. Peace.
I'm all alone. 